0: I pray for, for truth and, and all that jazz, uh, I'll explain why you have uh, the sheet of paper that you do and whatnot. So we're getting ready to go through First and 2 Peter um, leading up to Christmas, which I'm pretty excited about, because um, in my experience, these are books that get overlooked a good bit because they're tucked away in the back of the New Testament after all of Paul's good stuff. And it's really easy to flip past them. And it's sad because there's a lot of really good stuff in here. And just in this first chapter, uh, when reading through it, something really interesting stuck out to me. And hence why you now have uh, homework to do during the sermon. Um, So what's going to happen is we're going to go through 3 to 23. But if you notice on your sections you only have 3 through 16. And that's because in a minute, we're going to take five minutes, um, and I want you to read 3 through 16, and then on the lines provided, write down the first thing that pops out from that section of Scripture onto those lines. And then what we're going to do is we're going to discuss that a little bit, and then I'm going to cover 17 to 23 at the end. And the reason I want to do this is, uh, I was going back through Nehemiah a little bit ago, and Nehemiah 8, their church service that they had, uh, talked about everyone, all the leaders and educators standing up front. And they asked the people what they wanted to hear about, what, what scroll they wanted to read from. And there was interaction between them and, and the people, and I thought... <coughs> I don't have the answer to everything when I stand up here and I I preach scripture to you guys. And there very well might be things that I say that you disagree with within the scripture that we're going over. And I don't want just because I'm up here to be like my viewpoint is better than the thought that you had in scripture. And so I want to test that out today. I want to test out the exercise of allowing you to read the scripture for a couple minutes writing down the first things that pop out because i bet you probably 90 percent of it's going to be the same thing because god is awesome that way and he generally speaks pretty clearly on some things and this is one thing that i think is very clear and it's repeated which is always a fun thing to go over so so that's to explain the the paper and the pens and all of that jazz. So I'm going to go ahead and open up in prayer um, to just echo a few things and then we'll go ahead and get started. Father God, we thank you for uh, today, the the fact that we could just gather here and dig into your word together. And God, as we go into this time of, of reading this scripture, I just pray that we would have ears to hear you speak and a heart to actually see what it is that you're trying to convey to us here in First Peter. Father, as we go throughout the rest of First Peter, that we could hold that truth of you speak through even the smallest sentences to the larger picture of the book, and all of it's directed to us personally. So guys, share this truth today in this message. Um, I just ask that it would be your voice that people hear instead of my own. I pray all this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and get, I have some music to just play in the background. It'll shut off at the five-minute mark. If you start feeling awkward because it's silent know that I'm struggling with you because I'm not a big fan of silence either but go ahead and take some time and, and look at three through sixteen <laughs> Finish up your last few thoughts. So, quick question is who, who felt awkward during the silence? Anybody? There was no silence. Well, I had to have the music because I couldn't just sit here for five minutes. Uh, okay. Well, that's good. Then the nobody, the nobody felt awkward. Um... Okay, so, so the second question is, is who had stuff just jump right out of the verses whenever you started reading them that was like really clear as to like, this is what this section is about, especially if you didn't read the chapter title, because the chapter title, title kind of gives a lot of it away. Um, so uh, the slide, you can see the, the three big things that jumped out in each of those sections for me. The first one... In verse 3 was that we have life. In the second section, we have an inheritance. And in the third section, our call to be obedient. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through 3 through 16, and then I'm going to elaborate why it was that those three things jumped off the page. In this you greatly rejoice, even though, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though, tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated, was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you and these things which now have been Announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels look, long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be, to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours, in your ignorance... But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Alright. So, to start out, I had you just look at verse 3. In verse 3, in and of itself, we could have spent an entire sermon just talking about verse 3. And I, I pulled out the, the, the idea of life because of one word. And that word was cause. When it says, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Now everyone that went through third grade English knows that in order to have a cause, there's an effect, right? Spend a lot of time talking cause and effect. And so for us here, the cause of death is what brings us life. So because somebody else died, we have the effect of life. And that, to me, was really powerful. Is that in order for me to even claim to be a living person with God, somebody had to die in order for that to happen. And that's pretty powerful. To think that there are times where I wake up and I try and live for myself or I do what I want to, But the reality are those days I'm probably not living. Because I'm being selfish. But it's because of the unselfishness of Christ gives me life. And that's awesome to think about. And if we go back just a few more words, it's because of mercy. So it's it's because of... God's mercy for us that we have life. It's because of God's ability to do whatever he wanted with us. He chose, instead of killing us, which is what we deserve with sin, he gave us life. That's just mind-blowing. And then not only do we get life, but we get to the second point. In that second section, uh, 4 through... Twelve, I think it was correct Mm -hmm. Um, again right at the beginning it says to obtain an inheritance so here we see that not only did God show mercy and allow us to live but he showed mercy to allow us to live and more that's huge I've been really thinking about the prodigal son story here recently. And so, so the idea of an inheritance and, and being a loving father or which son am I has been going through my head a good bit with different aspects of my life. And so when I read this, it, it just hit me in the face as to what the prodigal son was actually looking at as we go deeper into this section, it talks about perishable items. God didn't give us an inheritance of silver or gold or things that we could lose because he knew that we would ruin that. He gave us something that is undefiled, defilable. That's a tough word. He gave us something that we can't, no matter how hard we try, ruin. And so not only did he give us the ability to live in verse three, but he gave us an inheritance that is reserved and untouchable by us until the perfect time. And so in thinking about the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son went to the fire and was like, hey, I want my inheritance now. And then what'd he do? He went off and he defiled it, spending it on drinks and parties and women and and took what was going to be a great gift and threw it away. God doesn't want us to be able to do that. And so he withholds this inheritance from us until the perfect time. To give it to us where we know that it will be perfect and reserved and kept well. That's awesome. And so that was a big chunk of Of that section of 4 through 12 was just how God loves us and then it it also talks about going through trials and how we get tested and all those tests there are times in life where we think that they're they're tough we prayed about the guys just earlier that are going through through trials we all have those moments where we just we're on that breaking point we want to quit and it says to rejoice in those often hard to do but then if we if we keep our eye at the future if we keep our eye on the fact that God loved us to allow us to go through here because then we're gonna enjoy that inheritance so much more has there ever been a day where you've worked your butt off for uh, a couple days in a row knowing that life is just in the grind and then there's that day where you go and you lay down your beds all nice and cold Back cracks and you just. Ugh. Right? Those are some of my favorite moments ever. That's what heaven will probably feel like. That's what our inheritance will probably feel like at the end. We work and put ourselves to the grind throughout the day, and He's keeping the bed nice and cold for when I go to lay down at the end. Or say, you know, say you're a beach person. You know, slave at your job, and then you want to just go jump in a pool, something like that. That's, that's the beauty of this, is he knows what's going to be perfect for each of us, and it's reserved. Lastly, and when I started planning this, this message, I was going to just focus on these three things, but then I figured there was so much more to talk about that I opened it up. When we start going 13 through 16, obedience is the first thing that pops out. Obedience and the reason where it says, prepare your minds, keep sober in spirit, and fix your hope. So I'm going to read through, I'm going gonna to spend most of the time here on, oh, I didn't, I thought I moved this slide along, but I guess I did. Um, I'm going to read 13 through 16 and tell you why I think this one for me was the most important section. So 13 through 16 again reads, Therefore prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One called you, who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So that word therefore, we spend a lot of time back in Nehemiah and and Ephesians talking about these these conjunction words that are very important. So at the beginning of this section it's it's good stuff. it's here's life, you have this inheritance and then the therefore. So because of these things, this is how we should be. And the first one that it says is prepare your minds. And that's important because from the moment we wake up, we're planning our day. Or even planning to get coffee to start planning our day. And some of us, if you're one of those people that have lucid dreams, you start planning your day before you're even actually awake. And so being able to regulate and control our thought process or to make the intentional plan of preparing our day for christ is pivotal we just got done going through ephesians in the last chapter we talked about putting on the armor of god and in there we realized you have to prepare and intentionally make that decision you don't just roll out of bed dressed in armor that's just that's not comfortable And so the first part of obedience, I think, that is being alluded here is the fact that we have to prepare ourselves in order to be obedient. Obedience is not something we just naturally fall into. And if you do, tell me your secret. Secondly, it says, keep sober in spirit. And the word sober is always a fun one. Uh, People often only use it when they're talking about alcohol and and being drunk, but when you really dig into this idea of drunkenness and, and soberness in scripture, it's just anything that changes or affects your ability to perform accurately. Right? And so, for me, drunkenness isn't so much alcohol, but it could be lust. You know, or it could be materialistic things that start, like, if I get a new piece of technology, I'm I'm over, or if I have this new idea brewing and it it causes me to not be able to think clearly, that's all drunkenness. And so here it's the idea of keeping sober in spirit. If I'm sober of my mind, my spirit can then think clearly because I'm not the one telling it what to do or trying to control it. I'm simply living by what the spirit calls. In Galatians 5, it says, If I live by the Spirit, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In Romans, Paul spends three chapters talking about how the flesh and the Spirit are always at war with each other. So again, it brings back to the reason why I think it's important that they said prepare your mind for actions. That's that decision. Do I live by flesh today, or do I live by the Spirit? I'm living by the Spirit, keeping sober is probably going to be pretty easy. If I live by the flesh, my spirit's probably going to be all over the place. Lastly, it says, Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I enjoy thinking to the future because. Living in the present can get kind of boring, and living in the past means you can't move forward. And so here it says, fix your hope on what is to come when Jesus comes back. Keeping fixed on the hope of our inheritance. Keeping fixed on the fact that one day we're going to be able to spend life with God eternally, celebrating and just partying with him. So yeah, today might feel like a drag, right? I'm missing my Panthers playing in London right now. You know, as a football fan, that's a drag. But my hope is in the future. I could watch them play all day long in the future, right? Or right now in the transitional period that I'm in, I know in the future God has a plan laid out that if I keep fixed on that, I'll get there one day and everything will be all right. So fixing our hope, giving ourselves a focus, a direction in life, is necessary to do. In verse 14, he goes into a little bit more as into this obedientness, obe, obedient actions, and he, he talks about conforming to former lusts And the word ignorance is there. I really like the word ignorant. Not as a derogatory term, but the actual definition. It's just you have no clue what you're doing. It's not a bad thing. You just don't know. And here, he lets you know, hey, you were once ignorant to what God calls you to. You were ignorant to life. You were ignorant to the inheritance that is waiting for you. But now as you claim to be a child, as you claim to want to be obedient, you can't claim ignorance. And I think he hammers that home really well in that section. So now, the part that I'm super excited for is I'm going to read 17 through 23 for you. And then we'll revisit a few things. So First 1 Peter 1:17 1, through23 reads, "If you address as the Father, the one who, who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited, from your forefathers, but with precious blood of the Lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for the sincere love of brethren, fervently love one another from the heart for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. Anyone see a, a similarity of those six verses to the 13 that you read earlier? They are essentially the same thing, just written in a more condensed version of and he flips the idea of obedience, and the fact that we now have life. And that, that blew my mind that it was that simple. And so he, he revisited it, and so we're gonna revisit it, only using these verses. So he starts with obedience in 17, and he uses the word fear. Now we've talked about fear a good bit here in our last couple books that we've gone through, And it's not fear in a trembling, scary, horror sense, but it's reverence. And so he starts 17 with just continuation of calling us to be obedient. And he says to do it in reverence during our time here on earth. All of us being children To parents at some point in time in our life, there were those times where you did things just because you were afraid of the consequences. Right? That's, that's reverence, right? There, there are times where you would stop yourself from doing something. Say, you know, friends were going out to a, a, a barn party or something, and you knew you weren't supposed to go, I'm sure there were times where you at least thought about not going out of fear of if your parents found out. We should have that same fear and respect for God. If I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I've already had two drinks and I'm feeling a little tipsy, I shouldn't have a third one. I should stop out of reverence for God. So we should conduct ourselves in a reverential way to God as we are here on earth. Secondly, focuses on the inheritance again, and he goes into the fact of the inheritance that we claim here on earth is perishable. None of it matters. He even goes as far to say that The one that we have from our forefathers is meaningless. And then he talks about his inheritance that he promises for us through Christ's blood. And that nothing can taint that. Which is pretty exciting. And then lastly he talks about life. And I'm going to Reread 22 and 23, because this one just this one was really cool. It so, says, since you have obedience to the truth and purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. The only reason we have life and don't perish is simply because God spoke it. That's impressive to think about. We often, you know, make jokes and, and, and whatnot about if God wants to do anything, he can just speak it. And I think I'm, I'm also at fault at this. We become desensitized to just how powerful God's word is. God sent his son and told him that he needed to die so that we could have this inheritance. Jesus did it because God spoke it. We look at the miracles and we, we claim that in today's day and age, we don't see miracles that much anymore. And it's not because God speaks less. What if we just don't hear as much? Because God hasn't changed. We have. And so in closing today, before we, before we pray, I wanted to just highlight those three things and that these are things that God calls us to. If we want to live a fulfilled life, I think we have the blueprint right here. One, it starts with being born again, it starts with the idea of life in and of itself. Secondly, the idea of an inheritance something to look forward to, something to put our hope in. And then lastly, being obedient to the call, to our Father, to the one that we claim and give our love and glory to. Let's pray. Father God, we pray to thank you for today. We pray to thank you that you loved us and showed us so much mercy that you didn't want us to just be zombies walking on the planet, but you wanted to give us a chance of having full and enjoyable life with you. So God, as we go through our day and we Maybe we need to recalibrate so that we can't try and claim ignorance of how we once lived, but truly live obediently by preparing our minds, being sober of spirit, and fixing our hope on you and the promises that you offer us. That we could do that joyfully. And even though trials and, and tribulations will come, we know that they're only temporary. Because you promise us a hope and an inheritance that is undefiled. God, we thank you and we love you and we give you the praises. Amen.